0: The Because of Summer Camp podcast, unearthing the deep-rooted lessons that camp actually teaches kids. Come find our show notes at camphacker.tv.
1: Hello and welcome to our show. This is Because of Summer Camp, episode 6, recorded on the 13th of March, 2014. Today's topic, camp teaches kids to be curious, with guest, Kirsten Firefly Otis. If you would like easy, automatic, free updates of our podcast, you can subscribe in iTunes or use the free Stitcher app. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Because of Summer Camp podcast, where we look to unearth the deep-rooted lessons that camp actually teaches kids. I'm Matt Hansberger, and at camp, they call me Iskis.
2: And I'm Ian Penn, and at camp, they call me Eric. Today, joining us, we have Kirsten Firefly, or Firefly, who it is. How are you today, Firefly?
0: I am wonderful. It was a great day for me today. I got to spend three hours holding a giant Australian stick bug at the Butterfly Conservatory work at in off-season, so it was pretty rad.
2: I'm a little bit jealous. I didn't get to play with any stick bugs today. (laughs) I played the snow a little bit on my way back in. (laughs) So anyways, Firefly, thank you for coming and joining us today. Any chance you can share with the folks out there a little bit about your camping history for us?
0: Absolutely, so I have attended summer camp since before I was five. I lived in Michigan when I was younger so I attended both Girl Scout Camp and uh, Catholic Camp and then I moved to Canada and I attended Doe Lake Girl Guide Camp in Huntsville for five years and then I worked there for five years. And since then I've been working at a variety of camps including Tanamakoon, Cairn, and the Kitchener-Waterloo YMCA Outdoor Center, which is where I am now in the off-season.
2: Awesome. Pretty busy, lots of camp experience really under your belt. Yeah. (laughs) It's been a lot of fun. So you mentioned a little bit about what you're doing right now. Is there any chance you can kind of tell us about all the different hats you wear right now?
0: There are a lot of hats. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So right at this immediate moment, I am working at the Kitchener-Waterloo YMCA Outdoor Center in St. Clements on and there I run outdoor programming for grades three all the way up to university. We had University of Waterloo rec student group come out in the fall and that's a lot of fun. In the winter we do snowshoeing and sledding and nature hikes. We run the Earth Keepers program there and also we're partnering with Weston's for the Environmental Leaders of Tomorrow program, and I'm helping to work with them. In the summers, I work with you guys at Cairn as their assistant director, and I run the Wilderness Camp Iona, where we take a small group of kids out into the woods, focus on community building and skill building in nature. In a more kind of professional academic side, I just finished my Bachelor of Education at Queen's last year in outdoor education, and I'm hoping to at some point, although it doesn't necessarily need to be soon because I love all the things that I do, would love to find a spot teaching either geography or biology or outdoor ed and kind of play his frizzle for a while.
1: That's awesome. And teacher and uh, people looking for teachers out there, this is someone that you need to talk to because I have learned more things from uh, this lovely woman than from a lot of my professors combined. So you, um, she's a a great person and we are so thankful to have you on Firefly. So uh, I'm really excited to share uh, some conversation and some thoughts and I'm sure some giggles and laughs along the way too. Oh yeah. Beauty. Okay. So today our topic of conversation is going to be on curiosity. We are going to share all things curious. We're going to be curious about being curious and uh, Firefly is going to help us along the way with that. So to get started, we are going to hear some thoughts from both Array and I on curiosity and then we're going to ask you some questions or Firefly. So Array, would you like to share some thoughts on curiosity?
2: Absolutely. So When I think about curiosity, I think about the drive to discover. So it's a little bit different than just seeking, like, a knowledge. It's having an inherent value of understanding. So just looking to understand things. And I think that a lot of the time curiosity doesn't just talk about having knowledge for the sake of knowledge. I think that curiosity, a lot of the time, looks to apply the knowledge in a greater context or take it to add to some sort of repertoire or to some sort of understanding a little bit further than just the traditional knowledge-seeking, if that makes sense.
1: Absolutely, and and to build on that, array, I, I think that, for, for me, curiosity is, is such a lifestyle, and we're going to talk about um, some ways that you can apply that to your lifestyle uh, later on in the episode, but uh, for me, I, I love being curious. It's one of my favorite things to do that you can just sit and be curious about why things are how they are. And uh, what I've discovered, and based on a couple of things that we've talked about, uh, Ray and I, I really think that curiosity is the, the one of the big keys to discovering what you're passionate about. Because you can be curious about a lot of things. I can be curious about how my laptop is showing my face and how my face is going on YouTube right now. But um, I think something that I can be even more curious about is about leadership and about uh, facilitation and community building, and I know that those are the things I want to pursue uh, because I'm the most curious about them and I want to follow through on that. So I, I think that uh, it's all about unlocking your passion. So Firefly, uh, I'd love to hear from you, What is uh, the con- what does the concept of curiosity mean to
0: you? Mm-hmm. And I actually want to jump off what you were just saying, Matt, where you have the things that you want to look at and you want to know more about and want to do and that's where i start with curiosity where it comes from inside you it's not a teacher telling you you should know these things it's not you wanting to do it cuz all of the cool kids are learning about astrophysics it's you are in your soul like i really want to know this and something that you don't know that you want to find out more about and it's that drive is what makes it curiosity rather than just seeking knowledge like ian was talking about and kind of My life mission is to try to figure out how do we foster that in children, in people of all ages as well. And I think camp does a really great job of it. But how do we get them to go, I wonder, and I guess, and why, and ask all those great four-year-old questions
2: forever? So I'm totally on board. I think that camp does an excellent job of fostering curiosity. And I think that really it is this drive to know and this drive to understand that comes from within that really helps the (laughs) young people be curious, and old people be curious, all people be curious. But I was curious <laughs> if, if you could let me know a little bit more about um, how you saw, or how you see currently, curiosity being taught at camp. Mm-hmm.
0: So I'm going to talk about my experience as a camper and then my experiences as a staff. I'm going to start with a camper, and a big piece of my time as a camper was actually learning how to camp and then learning how to go on out trips and I did several trips through Doe Camp and that was awesome. The one piece that springs out at me is one of my role models on staff was a tripper of mine. We uh, I went on several trips with her and then I actually got to be staff with her and go on a trip with her as staff which was awesome but the entire trip she was pointing out little things so we saw striations and rocks from theological movement and we learned about trees and we learned about the history and we we're up in tomogamy. So she was telling us about Red Squirrel Road as we passed Red Squirrel Road and the protests that were happening there in the eighties and the fact that we were in this place and in this time where we were allowed to explore, we were encouraged to explore. We like I remember as a camper and as a staff, I'm not sure if I would allow us to do that, but we went bushwhacking to find an old farm that was on an Algonquin Park canoe map. It was really cool. We found like tire rims and the base of the old house with the logs. And we're just like, this is just cool. Let's go find this. And from that kind of now as staff, I see what my staff did is they role model that. They said it's okay to be excited and passionate and curious and going, this is cool. Let's know more. And so, as a staff, I try to role model that as well. I have worked a lot in nature programming from Earth Keepers to Camp Coon where I designed and kind of developed their Earth Education program there for the first couple of years. And again, we just give permission for campers to be curious, and then we try to help them find their own answers, because as camp staff, we often don't know, there's like the one person um, staff that knows all the trees, we're really, in and I. We have two people that know the trees or the frogs or whatever, but we don't know. So we're like, let's discover together. As you like, run over to the building with the field guides, and this is the first time you've ever opened a field guide of frogs, you have no idea. So you're discovering together. The kids don't know that though, <laughs> and I think it's about giving them that space because they're not. They're programmed so much of the time. We need to give them the space to kind of ask those questions and as well foster and facilitate that so as staff our job is to point out the really cool things that we notice to be curious ourselves and you know maybe there's this really big tree that has the crazy pollen falling like last spring which was really cool on our site and the kids are asked why or they're like why is that yellow line there on the rock and I'm like well it's actually from the pollen for the spring that's how high the water was and The other piece is connecting to either prior knowledge or already interest. So, I usually, when I'm explaining things in nature and natural things, I try to use analogies. I've been talking a lot about decomposition through the Weston's program. So, I've been using Lego as an example. So, you have all the Lego building blocks, build them up, and then you take them down. So, plants and animals are built up, and then they break down into nutrients, and they build back up and come down, and things that relate to them. I'm still trying to find an analogy for Minecraft for something. And in general, I think curiosity is allowed to happen. I think the more we program CAP, we run the risk of removing that space for curiosity. And that's kind of my worry going forward and what I try to make sure we leave space for. So, like, if we have they're structured every second of every day, there's no space to be like, oh, my goodness, that's a deer track over there. And just kind of getting sidetracked. And it's those sidetracks and being open to those spur-of-the-moment experiences that make curiosity a thing. I will often go on a nature hike and have no idea what I'm talking about. I have like 10 things that I was like, if I see any of these things, I'm going to talk about them. But I may not. I may only see three of them. And I have some forest games and we might play some camouflage if there's nothing exciting going on is being open to what's there, it's a kind of interest of place as well, especially at camp where kids get to know the forest and get to know the path. So if there's something new about the path, maybe it's raining and there's a new river that wasn't there before the rainstorm, you're like, how did the water get there? And being open to that and making sure we leave space and time for that and also giving our counselors the space and time to take that liberty and go, no, I'm going to go over here with my kids now because this is like, we just found all these frogs.
1: Yeah. I think that's really great. Um, uh, my favorite point about what you said there is that you kind of alluded to the fact that we don't need to be the experts to inspire kids to be curious, and we don't need to expect kids to be the experts either, because um learning together um we recently did a podcast on uh camaraderie, and that that's that's what it is. you learn together. Um, mm-hmm. Because that's, that's it's more important and it shows that uh, you have humility as a leader, but I mean it's way more fun to discover things together than it is just to tell somebody about something. So I love that you talk mm-hmm. about being open to allowing curiosity to happen from, from both parties.
0: Mm-hmm. And that relates really to actually something that's out of the official interpretation theory, of which there's not a whole lot because interpreters are pretty low-key where the meaning comes before the name so we try to figure out what this all means before we try to name it which is why i'm rubbish at id of critters i i can tell you how it fits into the environment and that's i think what matters to kids and we can we can find out figure out most of those things based on and like i'm a biologist so i think of animals and plants what they look like so Fast-growing trees have lighter woods, like uh, birch trees. I say beech, which is wrong. Those sort of things. <laughs> so if you like, understand the context before you get to the name.
1: That's great. Mm-hmm. So uh, firefly, I my next question for you. I think you've spoken a lot about why you are so passionate about. Um, curiosity and why you think it's so important. Um, Do you have a a particular story about a time, it could be like recently from past summers as a staff member, or past summers um, that you can remember, or even times right now in the work that you're doing, where you've seen curiosity in action that's been a really big aha moment for you about it?
0: Mm -hmm. So this goes back a couple years. I was doing a winter outdoor program up in Halliburton, and it was like eight degrees out. It was really warm, and it was January, and I was supposed to lead a snowshoeing hike. The snow was melting, and the trail was mud. But we were luckily on the end of a really big hill. So instead, and I checked with the teacher, and he was actually very okay with this and I really enjoyed this, we spent an hour and a half learning by doing about fluid dynamics. We literally played in the mud at the bottom of the hill, moving the trails around, kids brought rocks over. and kind of figured out, okay, so if it comes from here, I'm going to move the water around here. Oh, there's a pool here. What happens to the water? And just getting also very muddy. You luckily had a washer washer and dryer on site because we were really gross by the end of that. But the kids were so excited they were fascinated. And I didn't have to run the programming. I said, we're going to figure out how water runs down this hill. Let's go. And they just played around and they took their own natural curiosity and ran with it. And I actually don't know if it's in the grade 6 curriculum, but they learned a lot about how water moves and about gravity and about friction just by playing around in that stream.
2: I think that's one of the coolest things about environmental education of any source. Uh, you have to take the opportunity. It's, it's, you can't guarantee that a deer is going to walk by. You can't guarantee you'll find a salamander under a rock. You have to go with what you have and what you see and mm-hmm. what, you, what what happens at that time. And I think that's one of the coolest things that camp allows for, is allows for that curiosity. Because when you're walking, you don't necessarily know what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. You have an idea of what might be out there, but I think that really allows for the curiosity to take off at camp. Absolutely. So what we're going to move to now, we're going to talk about uh, why do we think curiosity is important outside of camp. So what does curiosity allow for? are uh, young people to do when they t- when they leave camp after practicing it for a couple weeks or a week, however long our sessions are? Mm-hmm. For
0: me, I think, and Matt mentioned this earlier, curiosity allows them to figure out what they want to spend their life energy on. I'm not going to say what they want to do for a career or their jobs, because that's not is what's most important to us and not most important to, in the lives of our campers. It's going to be what are you passionate about, what do you put your energy and your love into, and finding that, and that allows them to find a life that, in my opinion, has ultimately greater meaning. They can find something that they care so much about. They don't care how little they get paid, if nothing. Or they pay to travel somewhere to have volunteer. So they're paying to give their time for free. But it's something they care about. And it's something that they're interested in. And I think that gives them that. It also allows them to be more independent learners and kind of in my teacher brain and the teacher world we talk a lot about how do we get kids engaged in their own learning and wanting to do it on their own and figure out like learn for the mouse just saying okay this is where these are the points you need to memorize this is the multiple choice test because we know now that that doesn't work and i think by engaging the curiosity at camp in that low kind of assessment setting we're not testing them on anything we're saying this is camp it's going to be fun be curious about what you want, it allows them to go back to school and advocate for themselves and say, I'm really interested about the Great Wall of China. We're doing projects about buildings, can I do the Great Wall of China? As opposed to without, they may not have spoken up for themselves, they may not have thought that it was a possibility that they could follow what they're interested in. And so I think that's really, really important to help them be both independent learners and engaged learners and also engaged in their own life and where it's going.
2: I totally agree. I think that curiosity totally is like uh, an opposite to apathy because sometimes well, youth apathy or young people's apathy is generally something that we talk about as widespread. And I think that curiosity really, really pushes against that. So I think that like, one of my goals when I hang out with kids is to make them curious, make them want to know things because if you have a want or this drive to do something cool, I think that really when they get home and they go back out of, outside of the camp world, they're going to be more motivated to do things. And I think that really it pushes against apathy, which apathy is a little bit of a scary thing in my brain.
1: It's hard to be apathetic when um, there's so many things to learn about and there's so many things to be curious about. And um, even, I mean, like kids' apathy, heck, you know, we all get a little apathetic sometimes, um, where you just kind of want to sit on the couch and unplug for a little bit. But I mean, um, life's so much more fulfilling when you're feeling that curiosity uh for for me at least and i think uh th- one of the ways that we can get uh we can get a- or get away from apathy is adopting that why mentality i think firefly you said it the the four year old why mentality um i remember we had um a camper uh, he was the, the cook's the cook's son. And when he was young, even before he was a peewee camper, he would be on site and he was the king or the prince of asking why for everything. For everything. Everything, everything. Why is it time to go in for dinner? Why? Because we have to eat. Well, why? Because our bodies need food. Why? And you know, as as um, the media might, or like the, the TV shows might portray that as being annoying, I think it's brilliant. I think that is the mentality that's the key to Understanding the world around us, and um, wh- one of the things we talk about here on the podcast is—I uh, gotta take a breath between sentences. Pause. <laughs> one of the things that we talk about here on the podcast is uh, about what the world would look like if everyone uh, learned this lesson from camp. So, what if everyone learned the curiosity that camp teaches? And I, I think there's so many great benefits from curiosity, and um, the one that that's a little that you might not think of right away is. But I think it teaches us to avoid prejudice uh, with other people, and it, because if you're asking why, and you're taking a second to think about things, then you aren't going to be making uh, rash decisions about people's actions, about what people are saying. Um, because first of all, you're asking why. Maybe why did they say that? What's the context um, that they said that thing or did that action? And also, why am I feeling this way about what they said? Um, so, asking why is a way of, to give you some uh, empathy, even.
2: Mm-hmm. I, think, I think that's brilliant. And I look, I look to, um, after we talk about the world and what it means to the world, I think that I look to uh, how our culture kind of promotes or kind of negates uh, curiosity in our young people and our people in general, as you said, Iskis. I think that uh, Google's a really cool thing because the whole Google it mentality, You want to know something, Google it, so you can drive your curiosity further. I'm also guilty of using Instructables and Pinterest and all these other sites to be like, answer my questions and learn how to do cool new things. So I think that that's really a cool thing. But then I also think that there's a funny line that Firefly, you mentioned earlier, a funny line in being over-programmed. I feel as though sometimes people don't take that time to kind of just be curious about things or take that time to just ask questions and try to discover things that they're interested in so I think that I think that this this over-programming idea at camp can also apply to real life whatever real life is.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah I I like that I think it's interesting because We were talking before about how curiosity can awaken a passion and I think that your passions have a chance to be squandered a little bit when you just get an answer presented towards you. Um, That's coming from a a teacher thinking education mentality. One of the beauty, the the, the amazing things about working with a concept, even like a, a math equation, when you can figure it out yourself. Um, that's going to give you more excitement than Google telling you or Wolfram Alpha telling you the answer to an equation because you've, you've worked it out um, and you followed something you really care about. Now, if it's just a quick fact and over the dinner table you want to know why cats purr, then, yeah, look that up. If, but, I mean, take a second to think about it. Asking yourself why. What is it doing? Why is it making that sound? What Does it help the cat? Can they do that on their own? You know, it's, it's not a bad idea to think about those
0: things. Mm-hmm. I think, I love your examples you guys are coming up with, They actually reminds me of a story that happened to me today, if I may share. Which is, we have, um, for those that I didn't mention before, I'm working at the Cambridge Butterfly Conservatory March Break for their bug feast. And we have, in our bugger puppets that are part of our educational stock of stuff we have, and we have a bee puppet that has six legs, but it's like you put your hand in, and it has an extra finger, so it has the right number of legs. And I asked a kid, how many legs does it have? And she was looking right at it, and she said five. And I was like, wait a second. Can you, can you count the formula? Let's count together, which is my favorite line ever when working with kids and bugs. And we count. She's like, six. There are six. And I was like, yeah. That was her. She kind of, because she'd been given the answers, and she thought that answers come from adults, not answers come from my own eyes. She didn't think to count the legs. She just said, oh, your hand goes in there, five. But by having the extra one, I kind of remind her that you need to go and use your curiosity and like you guys are saying go like, explore the world and see the world for yourself and doing those things hands-on and finding it for yourself, and it meant more for her to like count them be like, oh they have six legs, bugs have six legs, than me just telling them six legs because that's really boring, so That that's what happened today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that, that's pretty logical of her, though, to think that because mm-hmm. your hand was in there, that it would have five legs then. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, I think that's brilliant for a separate reason, but uh, also for uh, I, I like that, the showing and not telling mentality.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of kids just guess how many legs are on a bug, which I ask, how many legs does the thing in my hand have, like, 800 times a day? And I'm like, <laughs> it, it's four. And I was like, look at it, and How do you count the legs? <laughs> That's funny. Um, also, something
1: that I, I wanted to talk about that kind of grinds my gears when it comes to curiosity is the um, the notion that curiosity killed the cat. And me being curious right now is wondering um, where, where that came from and if it really is just parents, uh, like a saying for parents telling kids to be careful. Do you guys have any thoughts on curiosity killed the cat? Are you Googling
0: it right um. now, Firefly? <laughs> <laughs> it might be. Well, let's see what Wikipedia. Sorry, internet world. I had to. So it comes out of Britain and Shakespeare used it. So it's just an old saying. And I think huh. it is kind of warning people against kind of getting into trouble. And I think that's an interesting thing that we tell children not to do, that like going out and exploring is gonna get you into trouble. But it also relates to our current culture of kids are required to stay outside, and I've looked at studies where the amount of space kids are allowed to just roam free without their parents has gone from two or three generations, the entire town, to a few blocks, to your backyard, to your living room, is where kids are allowed to be without their parents. Wow. And it significantly changes what they're allowed to do and explore and, you know, things with sticks that are probably not terribly safe but probably also not going to kill them as long as they keep them away from their eyes. <laughs> yeah. So we, like our kids aren't given the physical space to discover and be curious nowadays as well, except in Minecraft. Yeah.
2: Oh, that's very interesting. That's, that's totally, mm-hmm. that's weird. I'll find that
1: study for you. It's also kind of interesting. Yeah, we'll, we'll post that study on the, hmm. the show notes that all of you can find out on camphacker.tv. Um, little plug there for you. But <laughs> I, I think what's also kind of interesting um, is that, that some technologies that we have in video games, especially ones that are big online um that are, are massive, where the, the worlds are massive, like Minecraft and uh, World of Warcraft and any of those, especially the, the massively multiplayer online role-playing games, um, those ones, the, those are worlds that they're able to describe, to um, explore, and I mean, there's just as many dangers out in those worlds as in terms of violence and meeting other people, you might not be able to um, control what they're saying, so they might expose kids to... Unsafe topics and those things. So we have, uh, we're allowing people to be um, explorative and creative, but we're doing it in such a weird, uh, not weird, just a new way um, with with the technological advances we've had. Mm-hmm. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Something I've noticed relating to that: talking to older teachers, and I'm taking a teaching course right now, so we have kind of online discussions about that, and they seem to view the, it's kind of how we view the internet is very different than how our parents' generation view the internet. They basically think it is the world's big library, you can go and look things up and check it out. Whereas we view it as the world's biggest coffee shop where we can go and hang out with people and interact. And the kind of, the culture on that and also the etiquette and the thing, how we choose to interact with that is very, very different. And the parents may not see the dangers or see the things their kids could get up to in the world's biggest library, because that's how they see it. But I think Mm. it's also a great place for overprotective parents to let their kids explore. And as part of my Outdoor and Teachers College program last year, we talked about why we're passionate about outdoor, and one of my friends actually was a huge gamer. And that's how she got involved in the outdoors. She played online games and did a lot of role-playing games. And that's how she was able to develop her curiosity even though she lived in downtown Toronto and wasn't really allowed to go outside very much. So it's there. It's really cool. Mm-hmm.
2: It's cool that technology is able to kind of help us expand our curiosity. But I guess it's a balance, right? We have to find mm-hmm. somewhere in between. Because I still think there's something inherently valuable about going and looking at a living organism somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's funny. 100%. Use
0: all of your senses to figure out what this thing is and what it does and rip it apart and use your magnifying glass with the unfortunate ants and all those <laughs> And
1: I think, I think that's part of the, the job of the facilitation of people's learning, and that's why teachers who understand this kind of thing um, and having kids go to camp and learn these things um, and staff members learn these things is, is so important because when we're facilitating, Um, someone's curiosity or facilitating someone's learning we can help set up both of those set up those connections with kids that kids might not be able to make like your friend in teachers college and say hey there's a wilderness in this game that I'm playing Um, and they might not draw the connection oh hey there's a wilderness or a park somewhere that I could go to and that's why we as facilitators can Mm -hmm. say hey you remember this game we're playing, or you know this lake you saw in Minecraft, why don't we go check out a real lake too and see where they got the idea for this virtual lake.
0: Mm-hmm. Or does digging in real dirt act like digging in Minecraft? Do you find redstone? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I need x axes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Anyway, I like it. Uh, any final thoughts on curiosity that we haven't touched on? Any burning questions? burning um, curiosities?
0: I think this has been a fabulous conversation. I think if people just give children the space and the time and just help them along in that journey and add, instead of giving them the answers give them questions instead and maybe pieces of information they may not have access to because they haven't lived on the planet as long as us. But let them find their own answers and the answers they come up with will be amazing and usually pretty hilarious.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. That's great. Ray, any final thoughts?
2: Well, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think Firefly's got a brilliant way of putting it. I think that allowing for space and allowing for discovery and allowing for mistakes to be made. Firefly are basically modern-day Ms. Frizzle, right? I think we've mentioned uh, Miss <laughs> Frizzle before, right? make mistakes get messy and that allows for curiosity right so if you're able to make these mistakes and you're not afraid to you know mess up sometimes I think that curiosity is a pretty pretty fundamental way to keep moving forward from that
1: yeah that's awesome all right my friends so we are going to move into our final segment of the show and we are going to talk about some tangible takeaways. And if this is your first time joining us on the podcast, then uh, at the bottom of this episode, if you're on camphacker.tv, you'll be able to see a list of these tangible takeaways. And every past episode, there'll be a list as well. And a tangible takeaway is a mission or a goal that each of the people we are interviewing, as well as Ray and I every week, are going to issue you a challenge. That you have until the next podcast, so two weeks from the posting date, to try and accomplish. You can try to do one of them. You can try to do all three of them. You can try to do none of them, but you should probably at least try one because it's going to be fun. And um, we would love to hear about how those tangible takeaways went for you. So please feel free to post on the blog or on our YouTube page or wherever um, about how this experiment went for you. Or maybe you can issue some other tangible takeaways. We'd love to hear from you that way. So let's go. Firefly, would you like to share your tangible takeaway with us?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, my tangible takeaway for folks is to give themselves space in their lives, to take the time to look around, notice things, maybe walk a little bit slower, look up, look down, look all around, and then ask themselves why. So kind of look and see what's around you, take that time, ask why, and maybe if you have a little bit more time, Explore it with your own hands or your own feet or your own eyes to see what's out there. That's my challenge.
2: Awesome. I, love it. I really like that. I really like the giving yourself space. I think that that's a really, I didn't think about that before this podcast today, but giving space is such a fundamental thing. It's so brilliant. Like, I didn't, didn't even think about that. That's a really good <laughs> way to articulate it. Yeah.
1: And I think it's okay, um, not to take this into another discussion, but I think it's okay to, uh, sometimes we need to tell ourselves to do that. We're we're so programmed, over-programmed is what we also talk about. It's okay to say like, hey, you know what? For for this walk to school, for this walk to the bus stop, I'm going to take my headphones out. I'm just going to put my phone away and I'm just going to like look and ask why and be curious in this dedicated time block. You never know, you might want to adopt that as a lifestyle eventually. That's cool. Awesome, Firefly.
2: Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, Okay. Do you want want to go away? uh, Yeah, sure, I'd go. Uh, All right. What I was going to say is I like to think about other people sometimes. It's kind of a thing I do. Uh, (laughs) um, The tangible takeaway I have for you today is I'd like you to use curiosity as a tool to get to know someone a little bit better. So um, an example could be... I don't know. I've got these funny things on my wrist. They're these camp bracelets, these burn rope bracelets. <laughs> if you come up to me, or you come up to Iskis, or even Firefly, I think you probably still have some on from the summer. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got, okay. You got lots of them. Got a couple summers. Um, if you come up to us and you ask us about them, you'll get to know something. You'll get to hear a story. You'll get to hear something. So I challenge you to be curious about other people. So you see something, you make an observation, you ask, you inquire. You learn something new about people you care about. So that's what I challenge you to do this week or over this next couple weeks.
1: Awesome. Okay, and my tangible takeaway for all of you out there is uh, I want you to take some time to go to a crowded place. Um, I I was thinking about this as I was actually in the Toronto Eaton Centre the other weekend. Then I was standing on the third balcony looking down over the big if you're uh, from Toronto or been there, you know the big fountain that shoots the water up really high. Um, First of all, you can be curious about the fluid mechanics of how that works. But uh, more importantly, what I'd like you to do is be curious about um, the people that are there. This will be an exercise in developing uh, empathy and uh, thinking about other people's stories because it always blows me away when I take a second to look over at the crowd and not look for anyone specific but appreciate that each one of those people have their own story, and each one of them are there for a specific reason. Maybe they're excited to be there. Maybe it feels like a chore for them to be there. Uh, maybe they're going home to a loved one. Maybe they have just experienced something really tragic in their lives. And it'll—it's a for for me—it's a nice experiment of stepping out of my own headspace a little bit and appreciating how complex life is, and how, and then from there realizing that there's a hundred thousand things in the world to ask why. About. I'm not personally endorsing you to go up to each one of those people and ask them and uh, interview them, but I think it's a great exercise, especially for in your head, to get out of your own little world once in a while. So that's my tangible takeaway. All right, so that brings us to the end of the show today, and thank you again, Firefly. So great to have you. Um, I love chatting with you, and um, I get to do it in real life, which is awesome. And if uh, you folks have a chance to uh, experience more Firefly's knowledge, I'll let you Firefly tell them about your new networks to uh, plug.
0: Yeah, so I can be found on Twitter, YouTube, and Tumblr as the Curious Firefly. And for any of you who may have been lucky enough to vi- go to my session at Tri State. About wilderness camps. Hopefully, I saw you guys there. And otherwise, I'll be posting things about nature and teaching and generally exploring the world. I also have a side interest in politics, so it'll pop up every once in a while, and I apologize if that's not your thing.
2: All right. Thank you very much again, Firefly, for being with us today. Thank you, Iskus, for being with us, as always. It's been a pleasure to chat with you guys, and I really enjoyed it. Thank you to all the listeners and viewers and all those wonderful people that take time out of their day to hang out with us. And I hope to see you guys around soon. Thanks for the great show. And thanks for the evening, friends.
0: The Because of Summer Camp podcast is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, Summer Camp leadership training and marketing consultant. Thanks for listening. Camp Hacker, bringing your world into focus.